this morning. Um, before we do anything, um, I served in the United States Air Force for four years, from 1996 to 2000, active duty. Uh, Tammy, I was I, I was stationed up there where in Grand Forks when her husband was there. I probably met him in the capsule when I went down to the capsule. I worked on a nuclear missile base. So we have a lot of people sick this morning. Uh, so we need to pray before we have anybody stand. I like to do the Pledge of Allegiance to recognize, but and before we do that, I also want to recognize veterans. But before we do that, I want to pray. We have a lot of people that are sick going on right now. Anybody know that our community is getting pretty sick right now? My uh, middle daughter tested positive for strep yesterday. My oldest daughter is being taken to the urgent care right now So, for that. And then there's the other one, which I don't like to mention because I've been told not to mention it, but the C-O-V-I-D, you get that, and, and some of the other things. So can we pray for our community and our church this morning? Because that's going through. Let's pray for our community and our church this morning. Father, we pray right now for all those that are sick this morning, not only in our church, but the community of both Lone Grove and Ardmore and the surrounding area. Father, we know it's that time of year, but Lord, I pray right now for a healing touch on all those that are sick this morning. There is power in your name and there's healing in your name, Lord Jesus. Because it says, by your stripes, we are healed. We stand on your word. Your word does not return back to you void, but it goes out and accomplishes what it was meant to do. So we pray for all those that are sick within the church this morning that aren't here. And we pray for those in our community in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen. Now the second thing is, is uh, real quick, if you have served in the United States Marine Corps, would you please stand? Anybody serve in the Marine Corps? Okay. Anybody served in the United States Army? Would you please stand if you served in the Army? Would you guys give them a round of applause? All right, if you, if you served in the United States Navy, would you please stand? How about the U.S. Coast Guard? Anybody serve in the Coast Guard? You find that allowed on the West Coast. I, I thought that was funny, but anyway. <laughs> so, how many of you have served in the United States Air Force? Would you please stand? Of course. Now, would all of you please stand and face the flag, and we're going to do the Pledge of Allegiance together. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right, you may be seated. We're going to do communion first thing this morning because some of the ladies are in the kitchen. You know, we have our turkey dinner today. So can we have our ushers at this time that are going to help before we take up tithes and offerings? No, we'll, we'll do that afterwards. Normally we do this after worship, but we have our turkey dinner today and I want to... We need another, <laughs> he's a Texas fan, that's why. Go ahead, gentlemen.
while they're passing that out, I, I shared this passage last time, but I think we need to share this again. Isaiah 53 says, Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Here's the important part right here as you do communion this morning. Surely he, and he's in reference, Isaiah's writing 800 years before the birth of Christ. He's referencing Jesus. He says, surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. The word infirmities is sicknesses. Sorrows is pains and diseases. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our inequities, which is our sins. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are what? Healed. Guys, I have heard story after story of people that have taken communion. And God has healed them. The late Jack Hayford, who uh, pastored Foursquare Church and was known, it was the president of Foursquare Church, lived in a house that was... Uh, I'd say possessed. <laughs> he set up a table in the room that they were having problems in and he took communion every day in it. And from taking communion, he heard screams as it left the house. Guys, diseases, demonic oppression, infirmities, sorrows, and when it means pains, it means mental, physical, and emotional pain. We often look at all the other things that Jesus did, but what he did is he bore our sicknesses and diseases on the cross. You may have a physical ailment and Jesus could heal it through this. You, we all have a spiritual illness and it's called sin. And Jesus can heal us of that. We had a young lady in our church get saved just during communion a few weeks ago. And then got baptized, if you remember. That's the power of Jesus. Would you please hold up the bread that represents his body? This was broken on the cross for you and I. He was crushed. In fact, the scripture says it pleased God to crush him for you and I. Broken and pierced and whipped for our sins, for our inequities, for our pains and our sorrows. You need healing this morning, receive it from the Lord. As you take and partake of the body, would you please take in remembrance of Jesus? Would you please hold up the cup that represents his blood? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. His blood is what cleanses us. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. There's healing in the blood. There's deliverance in blood. There's sanctification in the blood. His blood makes us right before God the Father. Would you please take this in remembrance of Jesus' shed blood? Lord, as we get ready to give of our tithes and offerings that Brandy and the ushers would come at this time. Father, we pray not only that you would heal our bodies, 
You would heal those that aren't even present. You're omnipresent. You can be anywhere at any time. You are everywhere. Lord, the scripture says you hold the universe in your hands. You created all things. So I pray that again that you would heal those that aren't here this morning. And Father, as an act of our love towards you, not because we have to, but because we want to, because we love you so much. We owe you everything. You don't owe us anything. You paid a debt that we cannot pay back. So Father, out of our gratitude, we give of our tithes and offerings. Again, we don't give it begrudgingly, but we give it with a love and a heart for you, Jesus. We give it with a cheerful heart in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Y'all want to get up on your feet? Father, we just welcome your presence in this house this morning, God. We thank you for the privilege it is to come and to honor and to praise your holy name with each other, God. Father, we pray that you would just release your blessings on your people this morning as we sing praises to your name. Thank you, Lord. I was buried beneath my shame. Carry that kind of weight. It was my turn. Yes, it was. Till I met you. I was breathing, but not alive. All my failures I tried to hide. It was Till I met you, you called my name, and I ran out of that grave, out of the darkness into your glorious day. You called my name. to your glorious day and now your mercy has saved my soul now your freedom is all that I know the old made new Jesus when I met you oh yes you called my name To your glorious day, you called my name, and I ran out of that grave, out of the darkness, into your glorious day. I needed rescue, my sin was heavy, but chains break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter, I was an orphan, but you called me a citizen of heaven. 
that you called our name, God. And whatever grave had us bound, Lord, whatever the situation was, God, you called us right out of it, Father, into your glorious day, God. Thank you, Father, for loving us so much. Surrounds me, I can't get away. 
till I'm found. Your love, it surrounds me. I can't get away. I've been to the bottom, I've been to the top. I can't run away, your love will never stop. With me in the morning, in the dead of night, and you're not leaving. I've been to the bottom, I've been to the top. I can't run away, your love will never stop. With me in the morning, in the dead of night, and you're not leaving. So I'm not leaving. No, you're not leaving. So I'm not leaving. Oh. You love me when I'm up. You love me when I'm down. You love it surrounds. Just take us wherever you want us to go this morning, God, in your presence, God. Give us new revelations of your mercy and your grace on our life, God. God, we love you this morning. Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way. Father, we don't want to get in a hurry. We just want you to take us wherever you will. your love saturate everyone in this building, God. Yes, God. I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy
God, we don't want to go just through the motions. Lord, we want to have a thirst and hunger for you. I'd like to sing that song again, but as we sing it, I want you to make it a prayer between you and the Father. God, we've come here to worship you. Sunday morning is a celebration of what you've done through our life through the week. Jesus, draw us closer to you. Make us hungry and passionate for you. Help us to desire you more than anything else in this whole world. God, I pray that you would just pour out your hunger into our hearts this morning. For you, Jesus, to focus on you in worship, in honor, in glory, to praise you and lift up your name. So we're going to sing this song one more time. I want you to sing to the Lord, to him. Don't worry about the person to your right or your left. Whatever was on your mind when you came here near this morning, focus your eyes on Jesus, as the scripture says. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. And I'm sorry when I've just gone through the motions, God. I'm sorry when I'm just saying another song. Take me back to where we started. I opened up my heart to you. Nothing has, nothing has. 
Father, we thank you for this morning. That God, nothing else will do. As David said in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not lack anything. Jesus, when you're our shepherd, we lack nothing. God, I pray as it says in in Matthew 6, 33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Lord, this morning, help us to seek you and your kingdom and your righteousness before anything else. And you said that all these other things will be added unto us, which is the cares and worries of this world. Lord, those cares and those worries of this world can choke out our relationship with you. You said, don't worry about what you will eat or what you will drink. Because Solomon in all of his glory wasn't dressed as good as the lilies of the field. So Jesus, you're our trust. You're our provision. You're the one that takes care of us. And we put our eyes and our focus on you this morning. Even through the, even through the preaching of the word. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen. You may be seated this morning. Just the sweet presence of God this morning. and uh, You know, God just has a way of doing things, and uh, we got to be obedient to it. If you have your Bibles, would you please open up with me to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 8 this morning. Romans chapter 8. We're going to be looking at how nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. We're going to look at the whole chapter, Romans 8. There's a lot in here, but it goes with what God is doing in our lives and what he wants to do for us. So Romans chapter, and I'd like to dismiss the kids and go back at this time. My wife often usually reminds me to do that, and I forget sometimes. So <laughs> I thank you for who, uh, Shauna, I think, is, or uh, Lisa's teaching the kids. Thank you, Lisa, sorry. So Lisa's back there in the back, and uh, I'm so thankful for those that step up and things go wrong, and you know, sickness is going around, so you know that, and uh, again, I just really felt like God wanted me to go to Romans 8 this morning. Eventually, I don't know when we're going to get back to Philippians, but that's up to the Lord, so, uh, but I've learned to just trust God when it comes to this. So Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 1, it says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile toward God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You however, are not controlled or controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin. 
Yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For you, if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you have received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, the word Abba is Daddy, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. And hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage of decay or to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we eagerly await our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what, has already ha what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. But the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns Christ Jesus who died? More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, you've laid this on my heart this morning. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. God, I yield to you, Holy Spirit. Speak through me what you want to say to our hearts this morning. I pray that our hearts will be soft and pliable and receive the seed of your word and let it be planted and rooted and grow. God, I pray that whoever needs to hear that, that you love them and that, Lord, that there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. That, Lord, that you've taken away that fear of death and we have been adopted as your children into your kingdom if we're born again. 
God, I pray that whoever needs to hear this this morning, you will speak to them. Again, Lord, speak through me. Not with eloquence of man's wisdom, but Lord, with the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Speak through me and speak to our hearts in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. In Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul says, why do I do the things I don't want to do and the things that I do want to do? Why do I keep doing these things? And he comes to a conclusion in it. He says, uh, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from the, this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Paul says, I struggle. Anybody ever struggle? That should be all of us this morning. If you're not raising your hand, there is a good scripture on that. We all struggle. Now, there's a lot of debate on this, whether this was, a chapter 7 was written before Paul got saved or after he got saved. There's a, there's a big debate, and I believe it was after he got saved. Because how many of us, after we got saved, we still struggled with things? And the enemy beat us up with a thing called condemnation. Now, the word condemnation means condemned. Now, hold your spot here and go with, to, go with me to John 3.16. I get a little excited and then I get ahead of myself and trip over my own words sometimes. So John 3.16. How many of you guys know this passage of Scripture? How many of you have it memorized? It's interesting because there's a story. Um, Tim Tebow wore, wore John 3.16 on his underneath his eyes and he was in a of course you know I'm from Denver so I'm a Broncos fan and the day that he wore that and he passed for 316 yards his pass rating was like I think uh, I can't remember it had something to do with 316 everything had to do with 316 so God works in wonderful ways doesn't he trying to get his message across but he says right here verse 17 for God, or verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not what? Perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to do what? To condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. So Jesus, speaking to Nicodemus, who was Israel's teacher, says, if you believe in me, you're not condemned. So after you get saved, Satan likes to cast condemnation towards us. Even after we've been saved for a while. Did you see what you did? If you were a real Christian, you wouldn't have done that. I like to use traffic a lot. Evidently, that's an issue in my life. You're driving in traffic, right? Somebody cuts you off. You're in a hurry and you get stuck behind somebody doing 20 miles below the speed limit. Who loves that? Have you ever been in a hurry? You needed to get somewhere? And God really works on your patience. I remember one day I got really upset and Stacy goes, evidently God's working on your patience. Boy, I love it when my spouse does that to me. And you get frustrated and you get mad and you act out in a way you shouldn't have as a what? Believer. Now the difference between conviction and condemnation is conviction will come along and the Holy Spirit will nudge you and say, 
you need to change this. You need to apologize. You need to ask for forgiveness. Condemnation keeps hitting you over the head with the same thing over and over again. How about, remember how you used to be before you got saved? Remember all the bad things? I've known people that after they've gotten saved, all those people that were in their life before will start condemning of them all the things that they used to do. You know who's behind that? The devil. That's condemnation. But Jesus says, verse 17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus' purpose was to bring people into eternal life. Verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned. If you're a born-again believer, no matter what you've done in the past, if you've asked Jesus for forgiveness, it's under the blood, God remembers it no more. So stop letting the enemy beat you up over your past. You're not condemned, Jesus says. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, you're condemned right now. You are condemned. Condemned is you're going to prison for a very, 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 very long time in a place that we call hell. You don't want to go there. It wasn't designed for you. It was designed for the devil and his demons. Go over to me to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. Look at me in verse 8. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. John says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. The hardest part for unbelievers is to admit that they have what? Sin. We live in a culture today that nobody takes responsibility for their actions. Uh, we want to do the blame game. That's what Adam and Eve did in the garden. God, that woman you gave me. How many men you look at your wife today? Lord, that woman you gave me. And the woman says, but Lord, the serpent made me do it. We like to blame other people. And the women are probably going, but Lord, the husband you gave me, right? He says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful. The word faithful means he's going to do it. He will follow through with what he says. If we confess our, confess our sins, he, meaning Christ, is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. Chapter 2, verse 1. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Hallelujah. Satan's sitting there, there to con condemn you, condemn you, and condemn you. And yet Jesus is your advocate going, nope, he's innocent, he's innocent, she's innocent. You are free indeed. But if anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Hallelujah. 
says the enemy, Satan, stands before the Father daily accusing the brethren. Do you know he does that? He accuses you and I of the sins that we do, even as believers. And you know what the Father's response to that is? Shut up, Satan, I rebuke you. As he said to Zachariah, isn't this one snatched, uh, fiery stick snatched from the fire? That's in Zechariah chapter 3 if you ever want to read that. He is our atoning sacrifice. He stands in our defense. He's the best defense lawyer you could ever have. Hallelujah. And guess what? He paid for it. We didn't have to pay for it. You know, usually if you go to a court of law, you have to pay for a lawyer, and it's usually the lawyer that comes out on the, on the top, doesn't They get the money. They get all the stuff. There was a good joke, but I can't remember it, so I'm not going to say it. <laughs> but you didn't have to pay for it. Jesus paid the cost. And he's your defense lawyer. And he calls you innocent. And you say, but pastor, you don't know what I did this week. Have you confessed it to the Lord? Have you turned from it? Repentance means change the way you think and the way you act. That's what the word repentance means in the original Greek. It means to walk in a direction, to change the way you think and act, and turn and walk in the other direction. God, I choose this day to turn from my sin. We don't talk about repentance a lot anymore. Repentance is important. When you confess, you repent. And I'm speaking to believers. Right? And I'm speaking to myself when that person cuts me off in traffic. Look at verse 9 again of chapter 1. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. God is just. And he will forgive our sins. Not only does he forgive us, but he purifies us of all unrighteousness. Purification goes through a process. How many of you guys know the purification process of gold? You take gold and, and it has impurities in it. And they will put it into an oven and they will heat it up until the impurities rise to the surface and it's called dross. And they will keep heating it up until all those impurities come out. In fact, I've been told, and I'm not quite sure on this, so you can quote me on this or you can go and look it up, but I've been told once all the impurities come out of it, it's reflective enough to see your reflection in it. Jesus begins to purify us. It's a process. It's what we call progressive sanctification. Now, the word sanctification means to be set apart. When you and I get saved, God goes, hey, you're set apart for me and for my purposes. And a progressive sanctification means, oh, by the way, I'm not through with you. I'm going to keep sanctifying you. That's why God puts tough people in your life. That's why God puts people that rub you the wrong way in your life. It's to purify you. We call that pruning. I've pruned a, a rose bush before. We had one up in Longview. Have you ever pruned a rose bush? You don't do it the right way. They grow in all kinds of directions, and it's annoying. But if you prune it the right way, you may not get as many flowers, but you'll get beautiful flowers. One year we had ugly flowers. I mean, it was big and bulky. You can have a big, huge church and have ugly people in it. 
right? You can have a small church, but have a beautiful church. You ever met somebody really pretty, but their personality is really ugly? It's the same concept. God wants to prune us so that we'll be pretty and reflect his glory. Go with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I've read this a few weeks ago, but it's good to go over it again. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, look with me in verse 23. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. So first of all, it says, May God himself, God the Father, sanctify us through and through. And he starts with spirit. When you get saved, he sanctifies you. He imputes his righteousness to you. He makes you right. He sanctifies us. He sets us apart. I've shared that already, but it's awesome. It's a beautiful thing. It's called adoption. In a minute, we'll go back to Romans where he talks about adoption. He sets you apart and says, this is my child. This is mine. How many of you guys wash your cars? Mine hasn't been washed in a while. Anybody ever go up? We went to a store one time and somebody came out and said, wash me on the back of my car. Sometimes we didn't a good washing from the Holy Spirit. That's sanctification. God begins to wash us and cleanse us. And he does it through and through. And notice he says he's the God of peace. God doesn't hammer you down. He's not ready to pounce on you. He does it with a gentleness. I'm so thankful for that. I'm not always gentle like I should be. How many of you have parents who are not always gentle as you should be, but God's gentle sometimes? I had one kid raise their hand, and I'm not going to point them out. My kids were in me are like, yeah, Dad, that's you. But God is a God of peace, and he sanctifies us through and through. That means through our whole process. In fact, Donald C. Stamps in his commentary says, Paul's final prayer for the Thessalonian believers is that they be sanctified through and through. Their whole being was to be sanctified and thereby, thereby preserved or kept blameless until the return of the Lord Jesus. Guys, I believe, and you hear me say it every Sunday, and you're going to hear it every Sunday until we hear that trumpet blow. We're living in the last days, and Jesus is keeping us blameless for that trumpet to blow. Again, one of these days, I'm going to be preaching. On, I hope I'm preaching on the rapture when it happens one day. Gosh, I, that's my dream. It would be great. How many of you guys saw me at Walmart this week? I saw some of you guys at Walmart this week. If I'm at Walmart, you know I, I'm a Walmart guy. Somebody says, man, you shop here a lot. Yeah, it's my place. But I go there. That would be awesome to be preaching the gospel, and I get raptured. Where'd he go? He went to go get new clothes. He starts with your spirit, and then he says your soul. Your soul is made up of your mind, emotion, and will. 
When you get saved, that part does not change. That part doesn't change. Your mind has to be renewed. Your emotions, things that you carried from your childhood or dramatic things that have happened in your life or hurts or pains, God still wants to heal that. I have found in Pentecost or charismatic movement, again, I grew up in a charismatic church, the Vineyard Movement during the early 80s, at the tail end of the Jesus Movement. I've shared with you, my pastor was right there with Lonnie Frisbee. They were friends. That God often works in the heart first before he will heal you physically. He will. Because Jesus wants to heal the insides. It reminds me of the, mat, the man that came down on the mat. Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. What did he heal first? The heart. Then he says, so that you know that the Son of Man may forgive sins. Take your mat, pick it up, and walk. So God wants to deal with the soul, the emotions, and your will. How many of us have a will this morning? It's called free will. How many of us sometimes have a strong will? Anybody ever have a strong-willed child? I was one of those, and now I'm reaping the consequences of my strong-willed child. If you're strong-willed, you have a hard time yielding to God's will and God has to prune you and work on you he wants our will to align with his will and he does all this so that we will be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ I love verse 24 though he says the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it he is faithful and he will do it Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that God runs the race with you? One of my favorite passages, and you heard me pray it this morning. He's the author and finisher of our faith. Philippians 1, 6, he who began a good work and you will complete it or finish the work that he started in you. Hallelujah. God won't give up on you. He's going to run with you through the walk and through the mire and the clay and all the difficulties. And it's not always easy, but he's right there with you. Let's go back to Romans. Oh, good, I got another half an hour to preach. That's like giving candy to a pastor. That's time. Go with me to verse 1 there of Romans chapter 8. In the original language, now you've got to understand, when, they wrote, when Paul wrote this, he's writing to the Romans, and these were Christians in Rome. There's a lot of debate whether the persecution had already started with Nero. Now, if you understand the persecution in Rome was horrible. Nero would actually impale believers between a post and light them on fire as lamps for the city. That's how bad the persecution was. They lived in a society that was sex-driven and money-driven and greed-driven. and They had many gods and idols. So they have gotten saved through all this, and he's writing this to them. And, in the, and we didn't, they didn't have uh, chapters or verses like we do. That was put there for us. And some of the language was a little. So in your book, it, in the original language, it doesn't use the word therefore. So in Romans chapter 8, you could probably circle that and say, in the old version, that word wasn't there. It says, there is now no condemnation. 
Paul says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Verse 2. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You are free this morning if you're born again. For what the law was powerless to do and what was weakened by the sinful nature. What are you saying there? I've shared this before. I've shared this on a Wednesday. Chuck Swindoll, one of my favorite preachers, he talks about this. And I'm going to share it again. He said, one time he was walking through a park and it said there was a bench that said, wet paint, don't touch. What's the first thing you and I want to do when we see that? I want to see if it's wet. What's the first thing you when you see concrete? Please don't do this when somebody's pouring concrete. I, I, I ran heavy equipment. I poured concrete in the Air Force. So the worst thing you could go in and write your name in it after somebody's troweled it. Because after it sets, it's hard to get it out of there. But our temptation, because we're rebellious after the fall, we want to do the opposite. And the purpose of the law, the purpose of the law was to point us to sin and that we cannot fulfill the law. The Ten Commandments. How many of us have broken the Ten Commandments? How many of us have stolen something? I have. How many of us have taken something that you didn't mean to take? I'll give you an example. When we, when we were at Abernathy, there were pins that said, Thou shall not steal, and I had about five or six of them. And I would often look at that and go, i got to go take that back to the church. It's not mine. How many of you have slandered somebody? That's called gossip. We've broken the law. James says if you've broken one of the law, you've broken all of the law. So the law was to point us to a point to help us recognize that we needed a Savior. That we can't get to heaven on our own. We can't fulfill the law. And the harder we try, the harder it is. In fact, that goes back to chapter 7 where he says that I... The things I don't want to do, I, 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 I don't do. The, the things that I do want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, I do. Who will save this wretched man that I am? That's all of us. We're all wretched. But he says in verse 3, For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Hallelujah. The minute you and I get saved, He sets us free. Do we still sin? Yes. But the power of sin doesn't have that power over us like it used to. I want to share that again. Did, did, that's what the Scripture's saying. That the power of sin doesn't have the power over you like it used to. So when you get saved, it doesn't have that power anymore of you. You choose to sin. So we can say no to sin. Does that mean we're going to be perfect? No. Does that mean we're not going to mess up? No. But what it's saying is we have the power of the Holy Spirit in us to say no to those temptations. You're all looking at me like I've preached something that you've never heard before. Just for that reason, hold your spot. Go with me to Galatians 5.16. Galatians chapter 5, 
verse 16 says, So I say live. Another word for live is walk in or uh, walk by the influence of the Holy Spirit, some translations say. So I say live by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Hallelujah. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, and orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. What he's saying there is you and I have the power to walk in the fruits of the Spirit. When you're saved... You have the Holy Spirit. He's a deposit guaranteeing of what is yet to come. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, or 2 Corinthians verse 1, or chapter 1, verses 20, uh, 20 through 23. He seals us with the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. So what comes with the Holy Spirit is what we call the fruits of the Spirit. And you and I have to cultivate those things. John in John 15, Jesus talks about him being the true vine and his father, the gardener. And as we abide in him, we will produce fruit. How many of you guys want to produce good fruit? How many Christians do you know produce rotten fruit? I'm going to put my hand in there. There's times I have rotten fruit. God wants us to produce good fruit. We live according to the Spirit by walking with the Spirit. Listening to the Holy Spirit, allowing the Word to work in our life. Let's go back to Romans. I had to, again, I wanted to prove my point so that because you all looked at me with a weird look. If you're born again, you have the power of the Holy Spirit to say no to what? To sin. Look at verse 5. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Holy Spirit, I put Holy Spirit because that's what it, the word Spirit capitalizes, Holy Spirit, have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Go with me to Colossians chapter 3 real quick. Colossians chapter 3. What do you mean by your mind and the Spirit? Do you have your mind set on what the Spirit desires? Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 says this. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Now the word heart there means your desires. Set your desires on the things of God. Jesus says where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. If your treasure is sports, that's where your heart's going to be. If, you're, if your treasure is material things on this earth, that's where your heart's going to be, and it's going to pull you away from God. It's called the cares and worries of this world. 
So he says, set your desires on things above. Set your desires on God-like things. How many of you are desiring God, hungering after God, passionately pursuing after God? Then he says, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your mind. The word mind there means your thoughts on things above, not on earthly things. So how do you have the mind of the Spirit? You set your mind and your thoughts on godly things. What are you filling your heart and your mind with? You've heard me talk about it, junk in, junk out. I can tell that. Okay, I, 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 you've heard me say I, I've been riding my bike to lose weight, right? Hallelujah, it's worked. Exercise, right, is important. I don't like getting up when it's 40 degrees outside. I get a little nervous when cars go driving by me, but I always pray, God, you said yeah, you, you'd uh, encamp your angels around me so that I would not strike my foot against a stone. I do pray out here, especially when I drive a memorial. It's a minefield. There's potholes, man, bigger than Texas out there. That's for you, Randy. <laughs> but when I, when I eat something bad and go exercise, I can feel it the next day. When I wrestled in high school at Tulsa Central High School, my wrestling coach would not let us drink pop or eat sugar or eat grease. And we could always tell when somebody was eating grease. Now, it cuts your wind or your endurance by 30%. It's a proven fact. And you could always tell the guys that were eating a lot of grease and sugar because in practice, by the end of practice, they were beat red. And it's because their body wasn't getting the oxygen that it needed. It's the same for your spirit. What are you feeding your spirit? If you feed your spirit junk stuff, I cannot believe some of the things that Christians watch or listen to or play certain games. Playing Dungeons and Dragons is wrong. It opens doors to the demonic. Watching horror flicks is not good. It opens doors to the demonic. It really does. I'm going to share a story you already heard before, but I want to share it again. When Stacy and I, when our daughter had night tears, Brianna, when she was little, she had night tears. We didn't know what to do about it. And I was rocking my daughter. And I said, Lord, in my heart, in my heart, I didn't say it out loud. I said, God, what is it that's causing these night tears? And he said, stop watching NCIS. And I said, Lord, if that's you, speak to Stacy. Immediately she walks by and she says, I feel like God's saying we need to stop watching CSI. Well, we were watching CSI, NCIS, The Mentalist, and most of us would be thinking, well, that's not too bad of a show. But when God confirms something like that, you better listen. So we stopped watching it. Guess what happened? She stopped having night terrors. I've told you this. A week later, I got tempted. Anybody ever get tempted? You have the choice to choose to sin, and I chose to sin. I watch NCIS LA. That night, our daughter had night terrors. And from that day forward, we don't watch those shows. Even the most innocent show can cause a lasting effect in your life. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Set your mind on things above, not on earthlings. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. 
Then he goes on to say, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And he talks about those things. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Let's go back to Romans. He says right here, verse 6, Romans 8, 6, The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile towards God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Anybody know an unbeliever or have a family member that's that way? And you try to preach to them, you try to tell them the truth, and they just won't submit. It's because the Bible says, Paul says, there's a blinder that has blinded them. And you've got to pray that God will remove those blinders from their eyes. Verse 8, those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. But I like verse 9. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. What he's saying there is we need to examine ourselves. Are we born again? Are we saved? Have we given our life to Jesus? If, if we've given our life to Jesus, then the power of the Holy Spirit lives inside of you to say no to the flesh. And our flesh likes to scream to us. Man, there are certain things somebody... For pastor's appreciation, the youth got me licorice. I like licorice. I'm probably, and I like the black licorice. I like the, the, they had watermelon in there. They had strawberry. They had the, they had the Twizzlers. I like vines too, just a hint. But anyways, I like licorice. And it's one of those ones, have you, have you ever eaten something and you're like, oh, I just got to have more? I did that with chili last night. My wife makes a really good chili. And I've been, when you watch what you eat and you watch your meals, your stomach shrinks. And so you can't eat as much as you used to, right? Oh boy, did I give into the flesh last night. I look like a beached whale and I didn't even want, have you ever had that one where you can't sleep because it's so uncomfortable? That's giving into the flesh. And our flesh will scream to us. But we do have power over the flesh. We can say no. I didn't say no last night. I had power to, but I didn't do it. Verse 10, but if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin. This old sinful nature is still under the curse. It hasn't been redeemed from the curse of the law. But your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. That means the power to say no. Satan likes to hit you with condemnation. You have the power to say no to the flesh. But even if you do make a mistake, you can say, God, forgive me. And he does what? He forgives. All right, let's go on here. Verse 12. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Are you led by God's Spirit this morning? Does He speak to you? Does He guide you? I'm not talking about an audible voice. Not too many Christians get an audible voice, but we get those impromptus by the Holy Spirit. He prompts us in the Spirit. Don't go here. Don't do this. 
Make this decision. And he'll confirm it. Remember last week the scripture I told you about, about the man with China? Remember that? The guy said, Lord, are you calling me to China? He was struggling. He didn't want to go to China. He was a preacher. God was taking care of him. Remember this last week I shared that? And he said, God, if you're calling me to China, you're going to have to write it on the wall. And he was at youth camp, and the kids wrote China on the side of the wall. They did wrong, but God used it. Verse 15, for what did, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. It, in the scripture, it says one of the things that God releases you and I from when we get saved is the fear of death. The fear of death. When you get saved, you know, hallelujah, my name's been written in the Lamb's book of life. If I were to take my last breath today, I'd be in heaven with Jesus. He takes away that fear of death. You don't have to be afraid of death. If you're born again this morning, if you've asked Jesus in your heart, turn from your sin, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, you can have assurance that you're going to go to heaven when you die. You don't have to be afraid of death. In fact, Paul says, I long to be with the Lord. So you don't have to be a slave again to fear, but you have received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba. The word Abba in the original language is Daddy, Father. How many of you call God your Daddy? How many uh, young daughters do we have in here? How many young daughters do we have in here? Come on, I'm going to ask for a raise of hand. See, come on, everybody's like, oh, no, I don't want to raise my hand. I don't want to be. Do you ever call your Daddy, Daddy? Nothing melts a dad's heart more than when his little girl comes over and sits on his lap and says, Daddy. Daddy, I love you. I love it when my girls come and sit, because now they're getting to that age where they don't want to sit with dad anymore. So I cherish those moments. They'll come and they'll sit next to me, and I'm a, I cherish them. I put my arm around them. I'll tease them a little bit and put my arm around them. That's our Heavenly Father, guys. He's our daddy. And you could sit on his lap at any moment. The Bible says we can come before his throne with confidence. I'm almost done, I promise you. Everybody's laughing. <laughs> Thanks, Julie. <laughs> Look at verse 16. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit. I love having a joyful day. That's awesome. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his gl uh, glory. Now, I want to jump over here real quick. Go with me to verse 26. The Apostle Paul in verses 18, he talks about all the things in creation. Do you know creation groans for its redemption? Um, the earth groans. That's why climate is getting worse. I don't believe in this climate change. I just think it's a hand of God. It's the end times. And it's because the earth is groaning for its redemption. In the millennial reign, Jesus is going to make it right. You and I should be groaning for our redemption. Verse 26, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Not only is there no condemnation, but the Holy Spirit 
is interceding. The word interceding means praying on your behalf, on another's behalf. God, the Holy Spirit, is praying for you in accordance with God's will. When you don't know what you ought to pray, he's going, I know exactly what to pray for. That's why I love the baptism of the Holy Spirit. As a boy, I'd go with my mom and my aunt Mary, and they would pray, and as a little boy, they'd have me lay hands on them, and I'd hear them praying in this weird language, and I used to think, well, that's crazy. What is that? But then when I got saved, April 19, 1984, the day I got saved, Mom prayed for me to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Not only did I get my prayer language, but God gave me pictures and dreams that have been confirmed today. When you don't know what you ought to pray, God gives you prayer language. It's in the Bible. How many of you guys know who Max Lucado is? He just came out with a, a, a recording on that, that when he was 64 years old, he, he was reading in the 1 Corinthians chapter 14 where desire the greater gifts, and he just prayed that for two weeks. I want more of your gifts, God, more of what you have for me. And this is controversial. People don't like this. But it's in the Bible. And he prayed, and all of a sudden, one day he's praying, and all of a sudden, this prayer language came out. Max Locato. So when you don't know what you ought to pray, you pray in the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit prays through you God's will and direction. What does this have to do with condemnation and all this stuff? Because if God is for you, who can be against you? Do you see all these things that we're reading this morning? All of it is showing you that God is on your side. He's not your enemy. If you're saved this morning, even if you're not saved, God is not your enemy. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to go to heaven and spend eternity with him. I'm sharing all this this morning so that you know that God is for you. Look at verse 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Do you love Jesus this morning? God's working all things out for your good. You've been called according to his purpose. God has a purpose for every single one of us this morning. You know, one of these years, when I get old enough to retire, I'll still probably preach because I like to talk. I just do. It's a gift God's given me, and it gets me into trouble sometimes. But one of these days, I may have a different job. Preaching is not my identity. My identity is in Jesus. Your job is not your identity. What you do is not your identity. Your identity is who you are in Christ. That's your identity. So he's got a purpose for all of us. Look at verse 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Let me stop there. Justif justification happens the minute you're born again. The word justified means as if you have never sinned. I want you to think about that for a minute. The day that you were born again, the day you said, Jesus, come into my heart, is the day he said, hallelujah, this person has never sinned. It doesn't mean you didn't sin in the past. What he's saying is that your slate is clean. He looks at you as, you have, as if you have never sinned. 
That's what justified means. It says he takes your sin and casts it as far as the east as from the west. He remembers it no more. Then he says he also glorified. Hallelujah, the day you got saved, you got glorified. You know, we often pray, God, bring your glory. Guess what? His glory's already here. It's in us that are saved. It got real quiet when I said that. It's true. Because the Holy Spirit is in you. Who's the Holy Spirit? He's glory. He's God. All right, let's go on. Verse 31. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? No weapon formed against us shall prosper. When the enemy comes in like a flood, God raises up a banner, and that banner's love. If God is for you, who can be against you? You may be going through some difficulties, but God's on your side. He's going to see you through it. He's going to be by, by your side all the way through it, and he's going to give you the strength to get it done. Verse 32, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Hallelujah. We, we serve a gracious God. And then he says, who will bring a charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? He's asking a question. Basically, he's saying it's not Jesus. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So not only is the Holy Spirit interceding for you, God the Holy Spirit, but Jesus, the Son of the living God who died on the cross for us, is praying on your behalf. Guys, I should get more of an amen than that from just a few people. Yeah, come on. If you think you're alone, you're not. The Holy Spirit and Jesus are praying on your behalf to the Father. I tell you what, now that's a team. Man, I'm glad I have Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God the Father on my side. I used to do this when I was a kid. Anybody do this when you are a kid? My, my dad's bigger than your dad. My dad can beat your dad up, right? Well, I could say that to the world. My dad is bigger than your dad. And he's already won the war. Going on here, look at this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or the sword? What he's saying is there nothing can separate you from Jesus' love. No matter what you're going through. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors. The word conquer there in the original Greek means super conqueror. It means above and beyond a conqueror. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him. You're only a conqueror through Jesus Christ who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What he's saying is no demon in this world can separate you from Jesus' love. No height, no depth can separate you. Nor famine, 
nor powers. Powers, he's talking about there's uh, supernatural powers. As Ephesians chapter 6 says, there's demonic powers. There's a, a movie called Nefarious. It's actually written by a Christians. People think it's a bad movie, but it's not. It's called Nefarious. I recommend you go watch it and share it to people that aren't saved. It's called Nefarious. It's, it's, it's the same guys that wrote the, uh, made the movie God is, God's Not Dead. And it comes from the, it's, it's a fictional, but when they were making this movie, the demonic attacks that they received by making this movie were unfamilable. I probably didn't even say that word right. I tried it. Anybody ever have some words you just can't say? You got my drift. They said when they were making it, it's about a guy that was in prison that was possessed. And it's like the screw tape letters like C.S. Lewis wrote. Anybody read the, read the uh, screw tape letters? And, and this atheist psychologist comes in to, to deal with this guy. And he realizes that there's supernatural powers that he can't explain. And they said while they were making this movie, they were in this prison. They had the highest speeds of winds here in Oklahoma. In fact, on one of their sets, the, uh, and it was only the time that they were speaking against the devil. They said they had a, 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 the roof pulled off of one of their buildings. They said all this high-tech uh, stuff that they had was, was filled with water and destroyed it. They had one attack after another. When they had the premiere of the movie, they sat on a couch, and the couch was moaning and screaming. And they had to take authority over it in Jesus' name. But Jesus is bigger than that. He's more powerful than that. And it says, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. What's the whole purpose of this Romans 8 this morning? That you're not alone. God's on your side. When the enemy hits you with condemnation, tell him to leave. Rebuke him in Jesus' name. Stand on the word. Recognize that you're not alone, that Jesus is in you, and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And if God is for you, then who can be against you? You need to realize that you're super conquerors today in Jesus. If you're born again, if you're not born again, you're still condemned. But if you're born again, you're not condemned. You have the greatest person ever to live on your side. You have the God that created the, he the heavens and the earth and holds the universe in his hand on your side. You have the Holy Spirit who is God living inside of you that's on your side. If God is for you, who can be against you? Hallelujah. Every head bowed, every eye closed here this morning. First and foremost, are you born again this morning? Are you saved? Going to church won't save you. Knowing about Jesus will not save you. Your parents' faith won't save you. You have to make it your own. Jesus talked more about hell than he did about heaven because he doesn't want you to go there. Hell is a real place. He says there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You think of the worst, worst horror movie you've ever seen, and that's not even compared to what hell's going to be like. And, and it's designed for Satan and his demons. And God doesn't want you to go there, but you're going to go there if you choose to continue to reject Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes unto the Father except through him. Are you saved this morning? 
Do you know without a shadow of a doubt that you will go to heaven when you take your last breath? If you're not saved this morning and you want to be saved, you want to know that your sins are forgiven, that you have eternal life, and you want to go to heaven when you die, raise your hand. Are you here this morning? Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else this morning? Don't reject it. You may not get tomorrow. Thank you. Anybody else this morning? I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith this morning if you raised your hand. Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before the Father. If you raised your hand to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to ask you to step up, to stand up and take a step of faith and come down here to the front. Come on, you that raised your hand. I'm going, yeah, this is putting you on the spot because this is a step of faith. Come on, you raised your hand. Anybody? You want to come? Anybody else? every head bowed still and every eye closed here this morning are you here this morning and you say pastor I'm going through some difficulties I don't want to put you on the spot this morning and you would like me just real quick to pray over you would you just raise your hand you needed to hear this message this morning thank you thank you several of you I'm going to blanket you with prayer and if you want continued prayer after the service you're welcome to come up and speak to me privately and I will pray with you I have some anointing oil. I lost my oils, but I have some in my, in my pocket here. So 
Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, I blanket those that raised their hand tonight or this morning, I mean. I pray right now that you would pour out your spirit on them. Give them the strength that they need. You said you would never let us be tempted beyond what we can bear, but you would help us. You would make a way to, for us to stand up on under it, which is a way through it. That Lord, that, that if you are for them, who can be against them? That you are walking this path with them. That they are your sheep. They know your voice and they follow you. They walk beside you. Jesus, I pray right now for strength for them. I pray that you would remind them that, that Lord, you're the God that owns the cattle on a thousand hills. You own everything. That no matter what comes against them, when the enemy comes in like a flood, you raise up a banner, and that banner is love. Pour out your love. Pour out your strength. Bring deliverance where they need deliverance. Bring a financial need where they have finances that need to be met. Lord, if they have problems in their marriage, bring, bring, bring help to their marriage, God. Whatever it is, you know what it is. Give them strength today and encouragement. God, and I pray for those that came forward to rededicate their life to you this morning. That's not something to be embarrassed about. It's a beautiful thing. God, I pray that you would strengthen them and encourage them and remind them that the very fact that you did that this morning is because you love them. We're never meant to embarrass people, Lord. That's not what it's about. It's about the kingdom. And then, Father, right now, we pray for the food that we're about to eat. God, bless the hands that prepared it, those that are in the kitchen right now. God, help us to honor you for the blessings you've given us, for you've given us our daily bread. We thank you for all that. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. Again, if you need prayer, I'll, I'd be happy to pray with you. God bless you. You're dismissed. Don't forget, we got food in the back. We got.